they both went the same direction and kissed directly on the lips. Hey guys, it's Steve. Just a quick note here. When Nathan talks about Sam, he's talking about Sam Hurd, the photographer who he does a podcast with called The Epic Podcast. I just realized while editing that Nathan kind of transitions into talking about Sam and we never explain who that is. And I didn't want people to be lost on that. So enjoy the episode with that in mind. Later. Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. And this week on the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast, we have an exciting guest on the show with us, Nathan Mitchell, hailing from the beautiful state of Virginia in the good old U.S. of A. VA, baby. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about some awesome topics that I think a lot of you out there will be interested in, such as moving markets, uh, why second shooting is still important even as you first shoot weddings, and a little bit about Nathan. So hold on, buckle up, and uh, enjoy enjoy the sweet, sweet ride. Nathan. Yeah. Your first time on the podcast. Uh, typically, we open up by discussing what we're drinking, and you were so gracious as to... Ugh. Oh, that was Ooh. beautiful. That was great. Sorry, what were you saying? You said something about beer? Yeah. What are you drinking today? Uh, now, today we've got a uh, very rare um, beer. It's called Vienna Lager. This is this is the Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager from the great state of Virginia. It's actually a fairly common beer out here, but it's real good. <laughs> a great Virginia beer for a great Virginian man. Is that how it goes? Yeah, dude, definitely. Are you a, a Virginia native? <laughs> I am. Born, born in Fairfax and uh, lived in Arlington pretty much my whole life up until uh, two years ago when I moved down to Richmond. So uh, a little fun fact about Nathan Mitchell is uh, both Nathan and I, from what I understand from uh, Steve's pre-show interview Ooh, uh, research, is uh, you and I both got our start uh, DJing. That's right. How'd you find out about that? Well, <clears throat> did I, I tell you that? I found an interview you did with Loser City. <laughs> what is, oh, is that that Austin thing? About uh, your South by Southwest interview. Uh, yeah. Photos. That was fun. And you talked a little bit about your origin story there, how you got started yeah. doing uh, photography and stuff. And the thing that stuck out to me was that you and Dustin both DJed. Yeah, man. Um, so right out of college, I rolled with a crew that a lot of people just like married each other, basically. And I was the only person among them that knew how to run a sound system and basically yeah i i basically dj'd a, a ton of weddings off of that and then i i booked a few more and i don't know i love michael jackson but i pretty much don't love everything else <laughs> that's why and dude and by the way sam has a, an incredible incredible fix for this for the the bad wedding music which is earbuds that he listens to metal and stuff while he's shooting that's that's the goal. But yeah, I was I was DJing and then I don't know, somewhere along the line me and Sam started hanging out and started shooting weddings. Yeah. I started as a DJ basically. So that's how I know the the wedding the wedding circuit, the wedding vibes. Have you ever tried putting in earbuds when you're shooting at the reception? Cuz I feel like for me, guests would get very upset if I was doing that. 
I don't think Sam's ever had any complaints. <clears throat> I've tried them before. They're they're awesome. <laughs> I want them. I, I've I've already lost my Apple earpods. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got to get discreet ones otherwise. Yeah, you'll you'll get you'll get looks from the mother of the bride and then you don't want that and then you know the whole thing kind of falls apart. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're being escorted out and that's right. Are called. The the best man who's been, you know, hyped up to punch the ex-boyfriend of the bride is like all psyched and he's drunk. And then you get one, he hits you, you hit back. After that, it, it, it goes downhill from there. Please tell me yeah. you've shot a wedding where the best man punched someone. No, although I was a groomsman in a wedding where the groom was like, it's highly likely that the ex-boyfriend will show up here. And if so, you guys need to take him down. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't show up. I was a little bit bummed. I was ready to do it. So, Nathan, I don't know if you want to talk about this. We had kind of discussed whether or not we wanted to talk about how you got started doing sure. photography. Um, we don't really want to necessarily rehash a bunch of stuff you've already said, like in the Loser City interview or on the Epic podcast. But okay. is that something you would like to talk about here? Like, say anything about how you got started or anything? We just it, we don't want you to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, no, it's it's totally fine. I honestly, it's pretty simple, which I think a lot of photographers are this way. I think it's valuable to hear. But basically, out of college was I, I graduated two thousand seven. I was a communication major, as you know. In two thousand seven, no jobs existed anywhere, and so I applied to I think forty or fifty jobs, including the Today Show, mm-hmm. which I was interning at uh, at the time, and. I didn't get a single one, basically. <laughs> so I finally landed this job I didn't even interview for. I just, I didn't even fill out an application. It was my friend's dad's company doing basically processing. Oh, it was processing deposition video for like lawyers. Mm-hmm. And it was as, as awesome as it sounds. And <laughs> so I basically, really awesome. I was, I was paid basically nothing. And I, I worked pretty hard um, and it was getting really annoying. Me and Sam Heard, who you may have heard of, no pun intended, <laughs> um, I, we, we'd been friends since fresh, basically acquaintances since freshman year, good friends since, uh, since junior year of, of college and been in a band together. And so along the lines, Somewhere, I think around 2008, we decided to uh, get a place together and um, get a few other guys. And we were living and hanging out in, our, in Alexandria. And Sam was working at the press club, National Press Club, for those of you who don't know. And was sort of shooting there a little bit. And I was handy with the camera. In high school, I kind of liked doing a lot of like light painting stuff and weird artistic crap. And I had a good camera and so Sam was shooting a wedding and for one of his coworkers and he was like Nathan you want to shoot it with me it's like good money let's just let's just go for it so I was like okay so we shot that first wedding together in 2009 I think and that's basically how it got started then one of my good friends got married and both of us shot that and then he started shooting his own weddings. I started shooting my own weddings. And two years later, I quit my day job. Seven years after that, here we are. <laughs> here we are. That's basically it. And during, you know, during that time, both Sam and I were, were shooting a lot. 
in DC, doing a lot of political stuff, a lot of events, a lot, pretty much anything we could get our hands on during the week. In addition to weddings, just trying to be creative and hone our craft. And yeah, it's basically, basically how, how it went down. So I'd read that you, uh, after college, took a trip to India where you did a lot oh, yeah. of shooting with one yes. of your friends. Yep. Vineet Gordon Das is a uh, very talented designer and photographer in Austin. Yeah, we've been best friends since seventh grade, and he was going to visit his family up in, uh, in India. And yeah, we, he was like, you want to come with me? Go to India for a month? And I was like, yeah, we're going to go. I didn't have a camera at the time. He had a, a Canon Rebel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we went went to went to Italy, and we basically shot. N- neither of us really knew what we were doing. We had like a kit eighteen to fifty five lens with us, and while we were there, we bought from some sketchy shop in Pune, which is this dirt filled crater <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. Which <laughs> it was bad. He uh, we bought we bought a fifty millimeter one eight and after that we kind of started actually shooting some interesting stuff and basically every day we would come back to our apartment and we would edit and figure out white balance and figure out all that weird stuff and yeah it was it was very eye opening and and very fun we actually shot a wedding there which we attended so was that technically your first wedding then I think it yeah I'm I'm call, I'm calling it my first wedding. Nice. It was great. First wedding was a destination wedding. That's right. In India, of all places. I loved yeah. it. And to this day, Indian weddings are some of my favorites to shoot. I don't I don't try to book too many of them because they're a lot of work and they're all very by the book. But um, but they're so much fun and the food is so good. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we don't get a whole lot of Indian weddings where I live, unfortunately. <laughs> Bummer, dude. Yeah. What about Amish weddings? Uh, the, the Amish actually don't let you photograph them. I kind of figured that. One question I wanted to ask, um, before we, we jump too far down the rabbit hole, uh, was why the heck, okay. So let's say, okay, you shot a wedding in India. You second mm-hmm. shot a few weddings with a buddy. Yep. Why keep going? Just, it was it the money or like, what was the, the, the drive to keep shooting, weddings like how when when was the jump off point where you were like man i love the concept of losing every saturday for the rest of my life so i'm an extrovert i love hanging out with people i love food i love art i love music and i love photography and when it all kind of came together it just it just made a lot of sense being in a place where you're surrounded by happy people doing something really, really life-changing has always been, I think, the part of wedding photography that I love the most, and photography in general. It's just, photography is just an incredible, incredible medium. I've never been that good at drawing. I've always been a, a, a musician, and both my, my parents are very talented musicians. I got the bug, and so I've always sort of considered myself an artistic person an artist in some way. And I've always strived to be an artist in some way, shape or form. Not that great at painting, not that great at drawing, as I said, but photography was a way to make art and also benefit people around me and also hang out with people. It's a, it's a wonderful confluence of ideas that I think really, really works. And when I 
sort of, I guess when I sort of experienced the, the first few weddings, shooting the first few weddings that I shot, I was definitely hooked immediately because it was so much fun and it was so, you know, there's the ability to be very creative and tell a story. And I think that that's kind of my, one of my favorite things about photography is that it's, it tells a story in a moment in a space and time that you can't really do any other way. And I love that. So portraiture is, is really neat and really challenging for me. And that's what I think I love most about photography. And that's why weddings are awesome. Wow. Okay. It sounds like that could be the prologue to your book right there. <laughs> I've been, well, you know, I have been thinking about this a lot because I've been redoing my website and I've been talking to a lot of different people and trying to figure out what my philosophy is. I don't know. I think it's really important to kind of understand why you do what you do. And for me, working that stupid dead-end job was, you know, I, I enjoyed, I actually enjoyed working in an office, kind of. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just felt very stifled and not, and I, and I hate the nine to five, absolutely hate it. So mm -hmm. working on weekends, let's do it. Like, I'm 100% I'm <laughs> fine with that. My wife is, like, incredibly supportive. She's a nurse, and so she kind of works, well, at the time she was working, like, you know, crazy, weird hours. And I, and so she's just like, do what you want to do. Let's you know, do whatever you want to do. Let's do this. And, uh, and that's, that's been great. So yeah, no, I have no problem giving up weekends. In fact, having free time during the week is great. Absolutely. Any, <laughs> any, uh, opportunity or has there ever arisen a time where you've considered having your wife second shoot with you? Not really. She has shot a couple of weddings with me. She's also a very talented artist, and she basically she uh, she's she's a good photographer, but she's not she doesn't want to be a photographer. So mm -hmm. she so that's fine. So and and sounds like my wife. Yeah, and knowing she she is actually a framer. So professionally, she's a she's a nurse, as I said, professionally. But on the side, she has a a a framing business where she does like high end uh, fine art framing, and so. Wow. She, uh, it's her dad's business, but she basically does everything because he's old. <laughs> <laughs> he schmoozes. She does all the work, <laughs> gotcha. which is great. And so she's shot with me a few times. She's done a great job. In fact, she actually recently shot uh, a wedding in California with me and did an amazing job. So that's cool. But she, we don't want to get into the scenario where she's shooting with me all the time. I think Abby will start helping me with some backend stuff. She's really good at at QuickBooks and stuff. So that helps me. Yeah. But trying to do most of the shooting myself. And then if there's things that I need her to do that I'm annoyed at doing, she's, she's up for it. Nice. So has she been taking care of all your tax stuff since she's really good at QuickBooks or? Uh, yeah, we, she, I mean, we, we work on it together, but yeah, she's, she's in command on that. <laughs> nice. Man. Lucky dog. I do, I do what I can, guys, but she's really fast at it. So, Nathan, you're talking about redoing your website recently. Um, yes. On your About Me page on your website, you describe your photography as a mix of documentary and photojournalism. I was wondering if you could explain to the listeners kind of the difference between those two styles <laughs> and why you choose to shoot in both styles when you're doing weddings. Photojournalism and documentary. I think they're somewhat similar, but... I think that, and there's a third part, which is a, a focus on creative portraiture. Mm -hmm. 
So as I said, I, I do shoot a lot of events and political political things and stuff on the hill sometimes, especially once I was when I was living outside of of DC. You know, it was a five minute drive into into Capitol Hill, basically. So it's important to, in my opinion, to stay somewhat aloof during the ceremonial things that are happening or traditional things that are happening. So I really like being there and documenting it and seeing what's happening and not affecting it too much. I'm not as big a fan of sort of the detail-oriented editorial approach in that it's just not for me. Of course, it's, it's, it can be really cool. Um, it can be done very well, but it's, I really like the idea of, of sort of being there and, and taking it all in and, and shooting it as it is and trying to capture real emotions and real moments. And if they pass, then they pass and you miss it. Um, and if you capture it, then you've captured it. And that's the challenge that I really like about wedding photography is there's just one shot. And Nicole on the, the last show, which I was listening to before we got together, mentioned this as well, that it's like weddings are, you know, it's, it's a one shot deal. And I love that. I love the challenge of trying to, trying to capture it as it's going. And so that's why I like this sort of photojournalistic style. And in terms of documentary, yeah, just documenting, I guess what's happening, telling a real story in addition to, I, cause you have, you have both at play. You've got things that are happening. You try to capture it as they really are, but you're also trying to tell a story with it as well. So I think that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the philosophy there. And then the creative portraiture is like, that's, that's what I have total control over. And I really like to, to go crazy and try to create some really interesting portraits when we have time for me to, to take the reins. And the reins you shall be given. <laughs> yes, I shall take thine reins and make <laughs> thine portrait. Sorry, I'm just thinking in medieval times, seeing that sword behind you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my father-in-law gave me that sword after uh, me and Abby got married. He's a character. <laughs> he was it was it given to you in this way, like, you mess with my daughter and uh, the sword will behead you or, or will duel, yeah. Definitely not. The guy, it just knew that I love swords and he gave me a sword. He's, he's just like a really very thoughtful person. That's basically what it is. So can we rewind that a little bit? He knew you love swords. You oh, yeah. have a sword collection. No, definitely not. That's so it. just the one? That, that is <laughs> yeah. the collection that we can see in the background. It's, it's a very intuitive dad then. <laughs> and the lightsabers that are, exist in some place in my mind that I wish that I had. <laughs> That's there you go. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm pretty weird. Love swords, love spiders, love airplanes. Those are all kind of in the same wheelhouse. I agree. Um, that's a, a new movie coming out. Spiders on a plane with swords. <laughs> nice. So speaking of a new website and, um, Virginia, you talked a little bit or hinted about, um, kind of moving markets. Um, and sort of that transition between, if I am not mistaken, you moved from the D.C. area yep. to the Richmond area. For those not in the Virginia state, uh, those are not necessarily, you know, a quick drive. No, it's not too bad, though. It's like hour and 45 minutes with no traffic. So are you trying to promote yourself more in Richmond? How has that been going? Fill us in. 
Um, so it's been going okay. Uh, I've been, yeah, I've basically been doing my best to connect to local vendors, which is something I haven't had, did not need to do in DC. Richmond is a completely different market. It's got a lot of more, more rustic, more hip, more farm weddings, some more urban weddings as well. Some more like, you know, literally in the city type stuff. Richmond is, it's a very local town as well. So getting established here, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird being an outsider and coming in here and trying to establish myself. For some reason, my SEO is awesome uh, and I'm on the first and second page. But other than that, it's been very, it's been, it's been kind of like a long struggle to, yeah, just basically establish myself, start shooting more weddings, shoot events down here and connect with local other photographers and hang out and stuff like that. It's a challenge, but it's a good wedding market down here. It's just very different. And I had to get used to it basically. (laughs) Absolutely. What would you say you are with like a ratio right now, as far as like how many Richmond weddings you have to elsewhere? Um, probably I, I still have a number of, of weddings up in DC and in sort of like Northern Virginia, which is sort of more horse country and, um, farm country up North. So I'd say, I'd say we're still about 75% up North and 25% down here. Okay. So still working it out. My, my goal is to be a hundred percent down here, uh, within the next like year or two. But the DC market's no problem for me. I just, you know, would rather drive five minutes instead of two hours to my wedding. <laughs> and remind me again, what was the purpose of the move? So the purpose of the move was basically after me and Abby got married, which was uh, almost three years ago. Yeah, we just wanted to own something and we could not buy a house in Arlington at all. In fact, we couldn't even buy a third of a house up there if we wanted to. So we've got like a baller ass house down here for like basically nothing yeah i think i saw that episode of cribs (laughs) that you were on that's right yeah we got some dinosaur eggs over here (laughs) we got uh we got swords we've got we got dogs that's in case the dinosaurs hatch out of the eggs and you have to you gotta defend yourself it's a gun-free zone that's why he's got the uh the sword that's right that's right um but uh yeah we wanted to own something couldn't do it up there we just wanted to and we also wanted a little bit of separation between our parents because without going into too much detail, basically, Abby had a family situation um, up there that she had to deal with. And after it was kind of all settled and over and everybody was was in a good place, we decided to kind of make our own life a little bit. Nice. And it was all, you know, it's all good things, but um, it was, a, that's basically the reason that we moved. And it wasn't too far. We've got friends down here as well. so. Kind of made a lot of sense. Abby used to live down here too for a couple of years after college. So it's a great city, man. I love Richmond. Lot to do. There's tons of art and industry down here. VCU is uh, Virginia Commonwealth University's pretty famous art school down here, and just churns out all kinds of interesting graphic designers and artists and stuff. Very cool. Very cool. And so you found, have you found any like blowback from local photographers that are like super got their claws in the Richmond market? They're like, Nathan, get out. 
Um, no, in fact, uh, every photographer that I've met down here has been really cool. And you need to start meeting with the assholes. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I'm just really not interested in hanging out with douchebags. So, and welcome to our podcast. Oh, all right, listen, I gotta go. <laughs> I made a huge mistake. Uh, <laughs> I made a huge mistake. No, everybody that I've talked to has been great. This year, I've been, I'm sort of making a much more concentrated effort on reaching out to local photographers and hanging out mm -hmm. a little bit more, being an extrovert and all. But yeah, everybody's been great. I, I hope to meet more photographers and hang out with more people over the next year. On the Epic podcast recently, I feel like you said something about trying to get more involved with the local community. Mm -hmm. Was that just the local photographers? Or are you also reaching out to people in the business community and other segments and facets of what goes on in Richmond? Well, honestly, I've just kind of been doing whatever I can, just meeting and hanging out with anyone. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's kind of how you sort of fall into random cool jobs is just hanging out with cool people and shooting whatever they need and, and or just, you know, shooting whatever comes up. I love shooting concerts and stuff. So I'm, I'm probably going to be shooting some, some of that this year. There's tons of music that's happening in Richmond. And, uh, but yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to shoot some more business type stuff. Just, you know, it's that for me, that's just easy, you know, easy money. It's just like if you, you work for a few hours, you turn it around in 24 hours and you're, and you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, I love doing those cause it, it sort of keeps you, you know, keeps you snappy, keeps you on your toes. And I love trying to be creative in that. I, in fact, there was a, 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 a fun opportunity to shoot president uh, former President Obama, when he came through to uh, rally for the uh, Governor Northam, and uh, I snuck in and I shot that. Nice. So it was awesome. <laughs> so, are you on like a Secret Service watch list now, or how does that work? <laughs> I uh, probably. I don't know. With all the weird <laughs> crap that I've done in my life, I'm sure I'm on some NSA list. That's the real the real reason he moved to Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to get away from the from the Poe. And uh, by the way, the guys are also on that list now. So have fun yes. with that. Getting surveilled. Is it surveilled? Surveyed? Survived? Surveilled. Surveilled. Hmm. Yes. French. Um, Steve, I wanted you to ask your Instagram question. <laughs> so in the last oh few months, Nathan, I've seen yeah. a few ads of yours on Instagram. Uh -huh. I was curious if you could let us know how the Instagram ads have worked to benefit your business and whether or not you'd recommend it to other photographers and also why ads for your wedding photography business are going out to other wedding photographers in states <laughs> very far away. Look, I don't make the algorithm. I just <laughs> I just get screwed by it. Okay. I just <laughs> I just bend over and let Instagram, which is Facebook, the daughter of Facebook, just give it to that's me. Right. Well, I will say this, when I saw the ad, I was like, Oh, that's that guy I like from the Epic Podcast. And I instantly followed you on Instagram, but Hey, that's a win for me. That's five bucks well spent. <laughs> give it back, Steve. Give it back. <laughs> you can buy me for five bucks. Let everybody know that. <laughs> so basically, Abby was running this. She, mm -hmm. she decided that I needed to advertise my Instagram more. So we came up with a plan. Originally, we started at, I think, like 50 or 100 bucks or something like that. And that was a terrible idea because apparently the algorithm molds to whatever you pay it so ever since then we've basically scaled it back to about five or ten bucks 
mm-hmm. per thing. I was gonna say I haven't seen one of your ads in a while, so. Well, there you go. Uh, I actually haven't been running them in the past month, I don't think. But uh, apparently, a hundred dollars gets you all the way to Indiana. Hey, there it just is. So you know how far how far your money goes. Well, maybe it's worth it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was good. I got I got some good good reach out of it. I definitely recommend doing some advertising, whatever that looks like for you, experimenting with it if you've never done it before, and then sort of ramping it up. Advertising is important, as annoying as it sounds. And that's something, honestly, that I learned from Sam, because he he really does some interesting advertising, but he's also he also really knows what he's doing, and I'm sort of kind of know what I'm doing. <laughs> um so, yeah, that's basically it. I mean, just kind of trying to experiment around. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, marketing and advertising, I saw recently on Instagram, Speak of the Devil, um, that you did a bridal show. Yes. How, being that we're sort of in bridal show season, uh, how'd that go for you? Dude, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real <laughs> with you. I'm not going to do be, another be one. Real. I, I'm not going to. We're entering the real zone. The real zone. Can you guys give me some reverb on that? It was weird and cool and fine. And I'm probably not going to do another one because the clientele, it was fine. I mean, the, so there was, first of all, I was expecting a lot more brides. I was expecting like a hundred or more. I think I talked to maybe 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. Now, all the vendors that I talked to there, which was all kinds of weird stuff, there were dancers, there was caterers, which was awesome because we were right across from the caterer, so everybody was was near our booth. Great positioning. Yeah, great. I loved it. But pretty much everybody, all the vendors said that this was their you know favorite bridal show to do in Richmond. But a lot of the brides were coming in without a wedding date or were getting married in 2019, so hopefully I'll see some of that later on. But it really is not a short-term thing, and also you got some dates to fill this year. Uh, yeah, still have a few. To, yep, still have a few to, to fill this year, especially towards like the October November time frame, which always seems to get booked up. But I always worry about it. So yeah, the bridal show was it was weird. It, there was a lot of people that were coming in with all kinds of budgets. I was clearly. So this is just objectively and, and looking at everything. I was clearly the most expensive option there. There were other good photographers there. I was definitely different than all of them, and I was definitely the most expensive. So hopefully that, that helped some brides make a decision towards me. And it was fun meeting them, but I don't know. I really feel like SEO and targeted advertising is probably a little bit more because I just don't, I just don't know, you know the type of, I want the type of bride that comes to me because they see my work online and they love it and they can't have anything but that. At a bridal show, they're just kind of shopping around and seeing what looks good. They pull you off the shelf, they look at yep. you, they check out the ingredients, they, they might be give you the sniff test and then put you back. Yep, they get like meatballs on my freaking expensive albums. And that's, you know, that's the price you pay. So there is a downside to being close to the catering as well, is what you're <laughs> yeah. telling me. I just figured you were going over there the whole time and you're just like, num, 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 eating all the good food mm-hmm. and just not even paying attention to the brides. Also, nobody ate our awesome chocolates that we bought. 
So I don't know what, what went wrong with that. I'm going to give you my address real quick and you can send them straight to me. <laughs> the The last bridal show we did, we did a big bowl of uh, peanut butter M&Ms mm. and uh, those went very well nice. with the... Uh, but yeah, we... So the cheaper the food and the worse it is yeah. compared to Reese's Pieces, the faster it goes. <laughs> yep, the more approachable you become Shots as a fired. Shots fired peanut M&Ms. Um, uh, Steve and I are actually going to do a deep dive on bridal shows, uh, so I don't want to get too far down. I thought we were going to do a deep dive on Reese's Pieces versus peanut butter M&Ms, but I mean, whatever. Same, are we it's, even... it's essentially the same conversation. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> ignorance is bliss, then. <laughs> no no Reese's Pieces for you then. You know, that's my go-to movie candy. Every single nice. movie uh-huh. I, I go to, which is multiple a week, Reese's Pieces every time. I like to imagine you have your own movie theater filled with Reese's Pieces and you're just Scrooge McDucking through them during the movie. Just swimming, eating, swimming, <laughs> eating. <laughs> Diving, that eating. Is, that is the dream. That's the dream. That is, do you have one of those movie pass ticket things? No, and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get one. Even though I'm a huge movie fan, I just don't know if I can if I can do that. I just assume by the time I would break break down and order it, by the time it would get here, which I hear there's a huge lead time on how long it takes to get it, that it would then go bankrupt by the yeah. time. I've got a movie budget, so it's cool. Your wife's built it into your QuickBook. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> We've, we, we do, we are like awesome budgeters and by we, I mean mainly Abby, but I help out a little, <laughs> but, uh, back to bridal shows. The, the last thing I wanted to say was that it was, it was awesome to do the bridal show simply because it forced me to redo my website, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm redoing again as we speak, um, with a professional and mm. it really forced me to, Think a little bit more about my business, about my philosophy, about who I want to market to, my ideal client, things like that. And honestly, that was worth the 650 bucks for the bridal show, even if I don't book anything from it. Nice. That's a pretty cheap bridal show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And apparently the best. So I don't know why. Boom. Last little topic we wanted to hit before we get into some more fun stuff. More fun stuff. Is... <laughs> you uh you commonly talk about how you still second shoot with other photographers mm-hmm. um i know that other photographers once they hit sort of your level of professionalism uh they tend to get on that pedestal of i am too good to second shoot mm-hmm. uh so i wanted to hear sort of your thoughts on that i'm always learning i don't really have at least i don't i hope i don't have a superiority complex I do feel like I'm producing good work, but I also feel like there's plenty of ways that I can improve and constantly trying to, um, to push myself. And so second shooting's cool because you can get a totally different perspective on how another person shoots. And again, I'm an extrovert. I kind of do it for the fun of it as well. Mm-hmm. If I have a free weekend and I don't have a wedding booked, why not? on one one hand and so that's kind of why i i like second shooting is you get to hang out with another photographer that hopefully you enjoy you get to see how they shoot you get to play off each other and the other thing is i'm also i'm also a team player 
I really like um, being part of, I guess, I like, I like being able to help another person and deliver something really cool. And when I hire a second shooter for myself, I'm making sure that they are talented and they can give me what I need. And I'm the type of person that will actively try to find out what the other type of person, how the other type of person shoots and shoot mm-hmm. like that so that they have what they need and their clients are going to be happy. And so it's just kind of a fun exercise for me, basically. Sounds exactly how I approach it. I second shot once, I think, last year. And it was like, a, it was a really hard, hard experience for me to relinquish that control mm-hmm. um being a huge control freak and especially when i disagreed at every turn <laughs> with her um with how she should do things but yeah it was uh it was really good to kind of be able to have that sort of step back and be like no let her run family photos the way she wants to run family photos yeah and you know and it's sometimes it's a way for you to see what you know to learn what not to do or to solidify what not to do um but the other thing is if you are you know a talented photographer and you do decide to second shoot for people you can you can be selective you can say like um you know oh yeah you know i'm booked oh man i have this thing that's going on if the photographer sucks um so i only shoot you know i only second shoot with people that either I have second shot with before or I know for sure that they're good. I don't want to like walk into a situation where I'm where the client sucks or, you know, something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So to- totally, totally understand where you're coming from there. Steve, other than Jen, do you ever second shoot with anyone? Just you buddy. <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys shoot together. Every once in a while, mostly video. I bring Steve on when I when I can afford him. That high high price. Uh, it's all about that baseball cap, you know. <laughs> I gotta gotta pay for all that conditioner he uses. I mm. do wear the baseball cap to every wedding I shoot with Dustin, so I just want the bride and groom to know that I'm I'm a little bit rock and roll. You know, you're a little bit country, and you're a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> Absolutely, you gotta be in Indiana. I did hire someone once to shoot video for me. Uh, Steve wasn't at this particular wedding. I wish he would have been, but the guy I hired did show up in like jeans and a flannel and like, oh boy. he didn't, he, he thought that was like totally, it, luckily enough, it was sort of a barn country wedding. Oh, man. So it, it went okay, but I was like livid the whole time. Dude, that's not cool. Not okay. Yeah. Like, cause I, that it was, this was the same person that I second shot for his wife cause he couldn't be there. And when he showed up, to the reception to take over, he showed up in jeans and a flannel. And I just assumed that was because he was coming from wherever he was coming right. from. And I, that should have been a red flag. <laughs> like, Oh, he's okay. Shooting his own weddings like this, that maybe I should give him some reference points on what I should expect him to wear to one of my weddings. Yeah. Speaking of giving feedback to a second shooter, Nathan, when people second shoot for you, how much feedback do you give them? I give them a, a good deal of feedback. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoy the educational aspect of photography and I've done a number of portfolio reviews and I, th- my plan going forward is to actually do a lot more of those, uh, mm-hmm. for up and comers. 
I do give a lot of feedback. In fact, I, I had this past year, I had a, uh, a total rando that I needed last minute. They added on a second mm-hmm. shooter at the last minute and I needed a, needed somebody. No one was available. Threw it out on Facebook, got a, a few people that, you know, said they were available and I looked at them all and very few of them were any good. And the one that I thought might be okay. Yeah. I grabbed him, brought him on and he, he was, he had just moved, I think from, Kentucky or Tennessee or something. And he was kind of asking a little bit for some feedback, but he did a pretty good job. And I basically gave him all a big rundown of what he did, right. What I thought he could improve on. And I think he got a lot out of that. So mm-hmm. I think that it's important. Um, if the other photographer, you know, wants feedback to give them some, and honestly, even if they don't want any, go ahead, you know, it can only help them my opinion you second shoot a lot then too Mm -hmm. um what's the best piece of advice or like feedback that you've gotten from somebody else when you were second shooting oh man i don't know that's a really good question just i i well i mean stepping out of stepping out of my own comfort zone being told nathan you're doing things your way and you need to do things my way this is my client um Mm -hmm. especially for indian weddings um i shoot with uh an incredible photographer named Aram Rizvi, uh, who does primarily uh, Indian and Pakistani weddings and mm-hmm. um, up in DC. And she, uh, and so I, sh- I shoot for her, you know, fairly often, maybe a few, a few weddings a year. And because uh, Indian weddings, especially the higher end ones, which is the ones that she's shooting, um, typically require at least two, if not three, or sometimes four, sometimes even five photographers or assistants. In those scenarios, you know, she's kind of, she can sometimes, you know, tell me exactly what she needs and I want to try to produce that. That's part of being a team player, but it is very difficult to do things differently. But it's also, I also sometimes I'm trying to be like, hey, don't you want to try shooting this maybe a little bit like better kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) to not Aaron, but to other people. I was going to say, you can't just call Aaron out. No, no, no. (laughs) You know, sometimes I'm like, hey, you know, okay, that's cool. But, you know, maybe try this thing that might actually work a hell of a lot better. And some, you know, sometimes I even shoot with photographers that are new that they're good, but they don't really know what they're doing. They're just like accidentally producing good work, um, which is, I'm sure, what we were all doing when we were just starting out. Oh, some of us are still doing that. I would like to do more of that, actually. (laughs) Accidentally (laughs) Accidentally produce awesomeness. Awesome work. Well, you know, when your techniques are good, can't complain. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I don't know. That that basically stepping out of your comfort zone and being Mm -hmm. told, Nathan, do this differently, and trying to actually do that, it's harder than it it sounds. I love it. I just want to quickly touch on, um, I believe uh, Steve's mentioned you do a podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. It's called, yeah, it's called the Epic Podcast. Epic Podcast. Yeah, that's right. That is right. Where's that name come from? Sam kind of names all his stuff Epic stuff. And when we were... <laughs> <laughs> epic Workshop, Epic Things. And um, when we were coming up with the name for the podcast, we tossed around the idea of the Epic Podcast. And then we tossed around a bunch of other ideas. And nothing else seemed to stick quite as well. And we both thought it was awesome. So that's what we went with. I don't know. Simple. It's nice. epic. 
And I think that nice. I think the reason nice. I was going to try to get you to say that, and then you went there yourself. It's epic. I don't know. Can we do like a little ditty behind me? <laughs> 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 it's epic. Um. So, yeah. The other thing is because it's just a pretty conversational, random tube guys talking in a room podcast. Uh, we also thought it was kind of fun and ironic to just name it something humongo. <laughs> Where where did the desire to do the podcast come from? Uh, the desire came from me and Sam's frequent post-wedding conversations that would happen. And both Sam and I, or at least Sam, is a wonderful conversationalist. And I, I like to surround myself with people that are good conversationalists. And I don't know, when we were living together and... And even after that, we just would just talk all the time about all kinds of things and anything that came to mind, we'd just talk for hours about. I think it was, I think it was one day where we were driving back from a wedding that we had shot together and he was driving back to his house. I was driving back to my house and I think it was like an hour long drive. We talked to the entire time about the wedding and kind of all the ins and outs of what we tried, what we tried, what we tried that didn't work. Um, how the client was, how we were treated, how we treated everyone else, and how good or, or bad we thought the, the photos would turn out, which is, of course, always, always great. Um, and um, we decided, I think, either right there while we were talking, yeah, we should do a podcast. I don't know. And just kind of, it should be, just be this, because I think this is actually kind of interesting. And given Sam's obvious uh, influence on the photography community and i think you know my ability to sort of also kind of talk to him about that <laughs> i guess i have words, I have words. and i speak them <laughs> he seems to enjoy talking to me your ability to be the relatable one the one that people <laughs> like to uh, listen to the one who's not talking every episode about driving Teslas exactly. to their cryptocurrency banks. The 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 more standard of the two, um, it, the foil, if you will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it just seemed to to make a lot of sense, and I think it. I think it sounds. I think it's great. Sometimes I just no, put it I on am. in the background and listen to my own voice and Narcissist. wonder where will I be in five years. <clears throat> what? What? Oh, sorry. I, I was listening to myself talk. Did you guys say anything? <laughs> nope. Okay. This is just the Nathan show with Steve <laughs> and Dustin. I was going to say, I've, I've got a huge amount of questions to ask you guys, and I haven't gotten <laughs> a single one of them yet. If we are plugging your show, episode 12, the one live from a wedding, is probably my favorite episode you guys have done. That's my favorite. I too. love the way that you guys just kind of like in the downtime throughout the day, just kind of discuss what's going on and what's happening. Like it, it feels very raw and visceral and I absolutely love that. But my biggest question about your guys' podcast, okay, the titling system. Oh, that was my idea. <laughs> every single one is the one about, and I'm wondering, I've watched friends. Every single episode of friends is the one where, or the one with, Yeah. are the titles a reference to friends or is it just, that's what came to your guys' head? Um, much to Sam's chagrin, who loves friends. I hate friends. <laughs> um, however, I love Seinfeld. Very nice. And I was watching a lot of Seinfeld at the time. And Sam obviously was watching a lot of friends at the time. I'm sure he's watching one right now. 
I was like, dude, we got to come up with an awesome naming convention that will just stick with every, every episode. It's got to stick. And I was like, okay, it's got to be like the one about this. And he was like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Friends already did that. I was like, friends. (laughs) I was like, well, whatever, let's do it anyway. Well, whatever. Put my, put my hate aside for a moment. Yeah. So, and, you know, because Seinfeld did it, too, I was like, all right, well, Seinfeld can kind of do the same thing. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give one to Friends. So, <laughs> there you go. yeah, that's that's why. I wanted to have something that, that kind of uh, resonated. So, Steve, I've got about 10 minutes before I have a hard stop. Is there any, did you, do you want to do this quick game? Let's do a quick game, loosen everybody up, and then we'll do okay. a question or two from the internet. And if, Dustin, you have to go... I can do a few more questions with Nathan since he's recording his own audio. Let's let's do the quick game and then I'll let you do the questions answers with Nathan. Cool, cool, cool. So the game that we're playing this week revolves around Star Wars trivia. Because I want Nathan to win and I want Dustin to lose. Oh. And also because Dustin hasn't seen the newest Star Wars oh, yet. Oh, that's okay. I you haven't seen mostly... the new Star Wars yet? I've seen it six times. Nice. I know. I had to actually skip your episode of the podcast where you talk exclusively about Star Wars oh because I God. started it and I was like, shit, I can't listen to this because it'll totally ruin it for me. See, I went out and watched Star Wars a second time so that I could, you know, fully enjoy listening to their episode. I was ready to be super <laughs> upset because Sam was so hard against it. Oh, man. And by the time the episode happened, Nathan has brought him back around. And I was like, man, Nathan is my hero. Dude, he hated Star Wars the first time that he saw it. He sort of hated it the second time and then he loved it. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's Nathan Mitchell happened. It's a good, good movie. It's a great movie. This is going to be all trivia questions. I'm going to run through 10 questions first, five for Nathan, five for Dustin. Okay. Um, these are all true or false. So you just have to say if oh, what boy. I read off to you is true or false. Most of them are about the OT. Uh, there are a few about like Phantom Menace, that kind of stuff. I tried to stay away from The Last Jedi because I know Dustin hasn't seen it. But in the bonus round, we will okay. get some Last Jedi stuff. All right, fair enough. Preparing to embarrass myself here. I'm going to start with Dustin. <laughs> okay. Because I like to always keep him at a disadvantage. <laughs> yep. It's time for Star Wars Bullshit! Dustin, in the original Star Wars trilogy, Yoda was technically a Muppet. True. That is false. He was actually built by a member of Lucasfilm, though Jim Henson did oversee it. And Frank Oz, a frequent member of uh, the Jim Henson... Feels like Puppet a loose That's a loose false. false. Loose false. I, w- I would have said true. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's on the trivia. These are hard questions, guys. <laughs> He's not actually a Muppet, but technically, maybe. <laughs> technically, he's not a Muppet. I don't know if I 100% agree with that answer. Nathan, okay. Yoda has three or four toes, depending on which movie you watch. Ooh. Is this true or false? Um, I don't actually know. Mm, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm, I don't have a photographic memory. My wife says I have face blindness. So this is a terrifying question for me. I'm just going to go with yes, a random guess. 
True. In the original trilogy, he had four toes, but in The Phantom Menace, he had three for some reason. Oh, and different between The Phantom Menace and the... Okay. Well, that totally makes sense because uh, Phantom Menace is full of plot holes. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dustin. George Lucas toyed with having Luke put on Vader's helmet and saying, Now, I am Vader. (laughs) (laughs) I would would love to see that. That's true. Um, I'm going to say true just because it's ridiculous. That is absolutely true, which is why (laughs) no one should have let him make the prequels. Let's be honest. (laughs) <laughs> you know the original star wars was a complete fluke continue <laughs> yes it was <laughs> nathan backstreet boys had a cameo in the phantom menace but it was cut i'm trying to think back to when i was in seventh grade sorry eighth grade when this came out did i hear anything about that false that is correct it was actually InSync who had a cameo in The Phantom Menace, and it was got... What the hell was that? It could have had our good, good friend Justin Timberlake in there. What, you can what? see the deleted scene online. I'm going to... I'm going to... Okay. Actually, I don't know if I want to do that <laughs> to myself. All right. <laughs> Dustin, in the original trilogy, Adara Abya is the only female fighter pilot seen on camera. True. That is False. George Lucas was sexist and didn't think that women could fly. Which Mm. is some bullshit I just made up, but there were no female fighter pilots. (laughs) Nathan. Like a game where you're making up everything as we go. Okay. That's what all the games are. The sound of a TIE fighter engine Mm -hmm. is an elephant mixed with a car on wet pavement. Uh, no, it's something else. Um, false. Oh, I'm sorry. It that is, is actually true. true. Oh, yeah. really? They actually used the elephant to wet down the pavement with its trunk before the car drove across it so that they could get it all in one take. Really? Okay, I made that up. But no. it is true that they mixed <laughs> the two sounds. I, I will say, Ben Burt, that does not that does not surprise me. Ben Burt is the, uh, was the um, sound designer on Star Wars, everything but The Last Jedi, I believe. And mm-hmm. he's a genius. He's a crazy crazy genius cool you should be doing this trivia cool cool. all right (laughs) i'm I'm getting it wrong so yeah all right dustin steven jabba the hut was originally supposed to be a furry uh you cut out there can you say that again? jabba the hut was originally supposed to be a furry a furry true Listen, that is correct. Well, okay. Uh, Did he yes. have to be like a sexually arousing <laughs> creature? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can say true to that. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to establish that George George Lucas was kind of nasty. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some people find Jabba the Hutt incredibly, incredibly arousing. I know I do. <laughs> Nathan. Mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds was originally intended for the role of Han Solo and Indiana Jones. I don't know for sure on that, um, but I wouldn't put it past them because they did a lot. I know they did a lot 
of casting for the Han Solo. So I'm going to say true just because I know that that happened. That is correct. Great job, Nathan. Where are we at? Where's the score at? Two to two. Boom. My my uh, memory, if my memory serves me correctly, Hans so- uh, Harrison Ford was selected because they weren't 100% happy with basically anybody. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that was doing the like readings uh, yeah. back to the Han Solo candidates. And they were like, ah, let's just go with this guy. And like, oh my God. Yeah, they had a bunch of people up for the role of Han Solo, like uh, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, mm-hmm. Christopher Walken. Can you imagine Star Wars with Walken in it? That'd have been crazy. Hey, I'm not against it. <laughs> what do we, what do we think of the kid playing the young Han Solo in the new Han Solo movie? He's got the smirk. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I, 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 honestly, I saw the trailer and I was like, I was expecting to hate it, and I was like, ah, all right. Yeah, that's how I. Plus, felt. I love childish, love childish Gambino. Oh yeah, yeah. Donald Glover's great. He's the man. Um, Dustin, the character Salacious yes. Crumb was named after George Lucas's dog. False. That is correct. Salacious Crumb is like the little, little tiny. Yeah, I know. Little, he was <laughs> that guy. Just a creepy, nasty character. Because, as I said before, George Lucas be straight nasty. Mm-hmm. This, so this is the last this question. Is the last to tie question, it up, right? Yeah. Oh boy, Nathan. Frank I don't Oz do well under pressure. Didn't like playing Chewbacca because he said the suit was too itchy. Ah, uh, no. Frank come on, Oz. Come on, that's an easy one. Frank Oz did not play Chewbacca. Nathan, that is correct. It is false. Matthew, Peter Mayhew played. You are Chewbacca. absolutely correct. I. I always throw the last one in as an easy one because I want the host to win. <laughs> because you want me to lose. Absolutely, Dustin. These games Fair are enough. completely and totally stacked against you. Um, so we're going to the bonus round. Bonus round, you get uh, two points for answering correctly, and it's whoever shouts out the answer first. It is not okay. whoever gets it correct. It's just whatever you shout first and whoever says it first. This is okay. nerve-wracking, I call this by the way. the bullshit bonus round. So you can either say it's true or you can just call me on my bullshit. Nathan, are you okay with weird shit? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say we could call it like bull poop But, but or not something. bull, right? Yeah. Bull, firm, bull. hard on. Yeah. Can I but say bulge? Yeah, yeah, like a B-O-W-L. That's bulge. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Oh, I'm born ready. The Last Jedi has the most visible nipples of any Star Wars movie. No. Return of the Jedi does. Wait, what? False. Yep. Um, explain. Uh, the dancing scene where the uh, right before the the green girl goes down the mm-hmm. the rancor pit, you can see all that. You can like see a, visible nipples. Yeah, dude, they're out. How many? The ladies are out. How many? Three. Three nipples. Uh, two. Okay, so I'm but a lot, have but to, it's a lot of screen time. We're talking. I'm gonna have to sixty this seconds. One to Dustin, unfortunately. All right, well, because we in the Last Jedi, Ben Swello, that's two nipples, and then the two walrus beasts that each have four nipples that Luke melks. Basically, the Last Jedi <laughs> is a space porn that Ryan Johnson made. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. That you didn't you didn't specify human alien. Animal nipples, Sorry. so I'll, I'll give you that one. Fair that enough. That is on me. 
Next question. Alec Guinness's Alec Guinness requested that Ewan McGregor play Obi Wan in the Phantom Menace because he has the same cheekbone structure known as a perilous curve. Uh, no. Oh. That one goes oh. to Nathan. That is one hundred percent bullshit. I don't think Alec Guinness gives two shits about <laughs> Star Wars. He didn't really want to even be in it. He was like, "This is a fairy tale." Yeah. Oh man, you know he has like I think he has like one percent of Star Wars. Like that he didn't even take a <laughs> he he didn't he was like they offered him money and he was like no nah, I'll just take a percentage I guess <laughs> maybe I'll make some money. Oh my god, <laughs> can you imagine? His estate would be his his uh whoever the benefactor of his estate is would be very well off if that's oh, the yeah. case. <laughs> all right, this is the last one in the bonus round. It's all tied up. Oh yeah. Lightsabers are laser uh-huh. swords. And that's not just an old people joke. Yep. It's actually canon. Yeah, yeah. yeah Nathan's that's true. got it. True. Sorry, Dustin. Nathan was first. In The Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker refers to his old lightsaber as a laser sword, completely validating every old person that's ever made fun of either <laughs> of you throughout your entire life. There you go. It's a laser so, sword. Another game that's of trivia. A, he is an old person in that movie. <laughs> that is correct. Fair enough. Fair enough, Dustin. <laughs> Another game of trivia, another big L for Dustin. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Dustin, you got to take off? Uh, Yep, I'm going to sign off. Nathan, do you have time to do one or two questions from the internet? Yeah, absolutely. These are right. weird questions, correct? Weirder the better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so typically I troll through the Yahoo Answers and Facebook groups to try to find something that's truly just kind of out there. Um, do you want something from Yahoo Answers or something from Facebook? Give me whatever you got. Maybe Facebook, but whatever. I don't care. All right. Let's do some Q&A. Let's Steve. Mike from Facebook says, as a wedding photographer, am I legally obligated to do anything if I see someone drinking liquor in a venue that is alcohol-free? Hell no. <laughs> Do whatever you got to do, man. I've done that. <laughs> Nathan doesn't narc. Dude, you got to do whatever you got to do. Now, if that guy is like, he's like drinking, then he's got a gun, then, <laughs> you know, you got to take him down. But, um. And that's where the sword comes in handy, right? Yeah, you bring yep. that to all your weddings. And I bring it. That's in, it's in that's actually on me the whole time. And, and for some reason, you know. Nobody ever says anything. And I think that's because when you put a camera on, you know, around your neck, you actually become invisible, which is what <laughs> I have experienced at uh, at events and things before where people will literally look at me and will not see me. And that's, you know, how I'm able to be everywhere at once. So to flip that, though, like if you did want to narc, no one's going to see you. So you could totally get away with just going and tattling. You will never know because you're invisible. Yeah. But still don't recommend that, right? Don't narc unless the dude is a danger to himself, his society, or somehow you, even though he can't see you. Now, have you ever drank at a wedding before? Do you drink at weddings? I gauge the situation. I kind of... Now, this is just me personally. I kind of like to have like one 
or maybe two beers in me at the reception, kind of mm -hmm. loosen up a little bit. It helps me kind of, I don't know, just hang out. Again, I'm an extrovert. I love people, love hanging out. I love being a part of it. Especially if, you know, the groomsman is like, or groom's like, Nathan, drink this beer right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're wasted, but like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> it kind of loosens me up. And I like kind of being a little bit loose and hanging and uh, going, because what I like to do is I like to uh, do <clears throat> like a night portrait mm -hmm. during the reception. I like yeah. to grab them out for about five or 10 minutes. And I'm sure yeah. most people do, but I don't know. Yeah, I like I like having a beer at weddings. If if I gauge that it is not going to be cool, or if I'm like these guys are very prim and proper, then I just won't. You know, it's not like I need it, but it would be mm -hmm. fun. So it's cool. Cool. Jen and I have a hard and fast rule: no drinking at weddings. That's cool. That I'm not allowed to break because my wife is my boss most of the time. <laughs> I hear that, and I think that that's fine. I think it's 100% fine. For me, well, we, I, I get a I, lot of crap from the groomsmen sometimes. Oh, well. You're not doing shots of fireball with us? And it's like, I still got to shoot a wedding, guys. Come on. I love doing that. In fact, I was actually offered weed. And actually, gosh, actually it's been more and more lately. But uh, yeah, I've been offered weed multiple times at weddings and unfortunately had to you know, not partake. If you could see, like, my heart right now just grew three sizes because that is where I wanted to go with this question eventually. So, me and Sam, so this is actually a wedding that I was shooting with Sam a long time ago, probably mm -hmm. five years ago, maybe six. We were shooting a Haitian wedding and it was awesome. These guys were ballers. They were awesome. They hung out. I was in the groomsome suite. We're talking right before the wedding. And these guys were blazing like out of, and I still have a photo of this thing out of a literally bull shaped bowl. It had horns and everything. And, and it was the most badass thing that I'd ever seen in my life. And they were like, Nathan, come on, man. And I was like, I mean, I'm shooting a wedding. So no. You're like, I'm shooting a wedding. So um, no, but maybe just shotgun some of that sweet, sweet cotton into hit my me mouth up later. Uh, but yeah, it was like, it, that was, that was just a, a hilarious to me. I was like, oh my God. And the groom, the weird thing about it was the groom could kind of sort of not really stand up straight while he was taking his vows, <laughs> which I thought was maybe a little bit weird, but that's maybe so just me. It was, it was really good then, whatever they were smoking. Yeah. Oh yeah. The um, bull shaped bong that they had, were they yes. smoking out of like the, the head or the No, butt? the head, you loaded it in the butt. Ooh, wow. I don't know. It was a little weird. I don't know how I'd feel about that. It did look awesome. I mean, I guess the other option is like you load the bowl at the butt and smoke out of the head. And that's kind of weird too. That's really weird. I don't think that there's a right way to do this. And the, I think that the more that we talk about it, the weirder it gets. By the way, I will say at this wedding, best food ever. Yeah. It was so good. Continue. This one comes from jade on facebook i am supposed to be shooting my friend's wedding but i don't think i have the correct equipment or experience how do i tell my friend i'd be happy to take photos but that they should hire an official photographer for the day i think that you should express your feelings to that to that <laughs> photographer i always love expressing my feelings Dear John, uh, I'm sorry, it's not you, it's me. I can't shoot your wedding. However, 
I will also say you got to start somewhere. Get out there and shoot that thing. End of story. Especially if it's a friend, right? Uh, of course. Especially if it's a friend. Get out there. Shoot that wedding. Ask to borrow equipment, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But if she's, if that person's asking you to shoot their wedding, I mean, shoot it. What would you say you could get by with equipment-wise for your first wedding? A 51.8 and whatever body you can find. That's hopefully okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the most recent wedding that I shot with Abby, which was like a couple of months ago, there was no other option. I was shooting in San Jose. I did not have... I reached out and nobody was available so i was like abby you're gonna shoot this wedding with me and i slapped a 518 on my mm-hmm. on a d750 and she did an awesome job and uh you know she has very little experience but she did she did awesome that's all you need just do your best when you first started the wedding in India, you had the 50 millimeter F1.8, right? Mm-hmm. The wedding that you shot with Sam, though, what were you shooting with at that one? Uh, my first wedding, I was shooting with a Nikon D90, which was mm-hmm. at the time the top of the line prosumer camera, mm-hmm. uh, which so it was like I could sort of use 1600 ISO. Yeah. And a 51.8 and a 35.18, I believe as well nice do you use telephoto when you shoot like ceremonies now or no unless it's a catholic wedding and i need 200 millimeters Mm -hmm. i have an 80 to 200 that i that i bring with me almost never almost never use it i i shoot 24 50 and 85 and that's basically all that i shoot with the entire day didn't you have a telephoto got that got stolen or something like that yeah it got stolen at a russian wedding sorry i'm taking a deep dive on your podcast now (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was a, I'm sure if you've heard the episode about that, you you know, mm-hmm. but basically it, yeah, I was at a Russian wedding and it was my fault. I completely left it somewhere and we went back to find it and it was gone. So, man, and I had literally bought it. I threw 1400 bucks at it literally like, I want to say maybe like three months prior. And that was yeah. right before I had, that was right after that. I was like, oh, insurance is a good thing cool (laughs) isn't that just the thing always it's like oh i lost something i should have had insurance i guess now i get it yep i'm the king of doing things wrong the first time sam is the king of doing things right every time (laughs) (laughs) all right i want to get to at least one more question if that's cool with you yeah whatever you got Jane from Facebook says, at a wedding I shot last week, I took a photo of two people kissing in a secluded area during the reception. When I went to edit the photos, I realized it was the groom and a bridesmaid. Holy crap. Is this a real thing? Should I say something to the bride? I I troll a lot of real unsavory Facebook groups for these questions. Okay. If this... So if this is not real, you're a douche. I have... I have a story about that. Okay. So let me, let me first answer the question by saying, I don't think that, I don't know if I would say anything. I don't think I'd say anything either. Cause you say something and you're forever the person who blew it up. Now that is messed up and that's not cool. 
Uh, so I would say you got to make your own call on that and live with the consequences, whatever they may be. If it were me, I would definitely consider doing the right thing, which is say something. Um, but at the same time, you are messing with uh, real relationships mm -hmm. and that's a little tricky. Uh, so if it's a real thing, I would say maybe try to confide in someone close to them and see mm -hmm. what they have to say. I don't know if I don't think that I could keep that 100% to myself because that's really screwed up. And if that's really the case, then that groom's a douchebag. <laughs> so, and if it's not real, then whatever. So my story is that, well, what's your opinion on this? My opinion is it's probably not real. It's probably somebody who posted it to get some laughs on Facebook, okay. but I liked it a lot. So I brought it up anyway. <laughs> so I actually have a story about that. I uh, was shooting a wedding that will remain forever a mystery where the groom was getting ready and the bride sent up, I believe her best friend, possibly her cousin or sister. I can't remember uh, with a gift for the groom and mm -hmm. the groom and her went to do the, uh, the side cheek smooch thing. Yeah. The classic European hello greeting and uh, they both went the same direction and kissed directly on the lips <laughs> nice and they both looked at each other oh oh my god oh my god <laughs> and they just started like laughing hysterically and he was like he was a little he was like kind of embarrassed but he was also he was he was like a really funny guy too and he was just like oh my god this is so funny he immediately called his his bride to be in from his room and was like i just kissed your friend i just kissed your friend it was a total accident <laughs> and it was i was like oh my god i can't believe this is happening right now this is the funniest thing i have ever seen in my life uh, yeah, that actually happened once. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. I'm glad everybody had a good sense of humor about that and it didn't like yeah. derail the wedding. But they made fun, like they referenced it all day. Of like course. he was exactly. like, I kissed your friend. I just question this stuff when I see it. I, in the past, it was always, this is fake. But now it's just like, these things could be real. Like, wow. There are oh, people yeah. who are messed up out there. Dude, and like there's a different in the weddings that for instance i shoot and for instance people that charge like a thousand dollars for a wedding would shoot mm -hmm. and i've seen those before and i've dj'd some of them and they are you know and they're like you know weird weird things that don't make any sense can happen at those kinds of things people are weird did you get more weird weddings when you're a dj or now that you're a photographer well, again, most of most of the weddings that I DJed, especially early on, were um, friends. So it was just kind of an excuse to play some good music for some friends. But um, yeah, I mean, you can put your know. friends on blast on this podcast. They're not going to listen to it. Say, say what? <laughs> you can put your friends on blast. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, let me tell you about Justin. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they were all totally a lot of fun and hang and fine. But I don't know. What was the question? <laughs> I was just curious if you got more weird stuff when you're a DJ no. or a photographer. No, but just in fact, I actually 
So I came out of retirement to do, <laughs> to do one one that last was gonna wedding. Be my next question was if you'd ever DJ again. <laughs> I came out of retirement for one wedding. So here's this is actually kind of funny. I shot so I I I DJed this guy's wedding like w- like the last wedding that I had done, which was like seven seven years ago now, and or something at least maybe eight, and um, and it was just a lot of fun. It was a friend. We were just hanging out and ha- had a mm-hmm. had a great time. And a couple of years down the road, I get this inquiry from his brother. And he was like, hey, I just want to know if you're free on this day. We'd love to have you. And I so, so I sent him all my photography rates and my photography contract. And he was like, no, I mean DJ. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, uh, well, actually, I guess I am free. So he was like, you did, you know. He was like, I will let you do whatever you want. We are really, we, we're really weird and we like good music. And I was like, all right, <laughs> if you let me do whatever I want, sure, I'll do it. And so I played anything I wanted. I played Animal Collective. I played Simeon Mobile Disco. I played all this awesome stuff. And this everybody was like a wedding I would love to go to. Dude, everybody was freaking out. And, you know, I was playing the classics as well. I, w- I would basically play like, one classic and then two weird ones. One classic, two weird ones. And everybody was having a great time. And these photographers were there. It was a good wedding, too. Like, there was, like, a hawk that flew in with the rings and everything. Whoa. And I was like, dude, why am I not shooting this freaking wedding? And these two photographers were there, Leah and Montas. And they both were seemed really cool. I met them. And it turns out that they're both really freaking good photographers. Mm-hmm. And after that wedding, I linked up with them and went on to shoot tons of weddings for them and they shot a few weddings for me too yeah it's just really random i was like dude I, i'm a wedding photographer guys i'm just I'm just here dj <laughs> i know you hear that a lot but i'm really a wedding photographer so the band prisms yes would you guys ever perform like wedding band style or no i mean if they wanted to hear prism songs you guys just do your songs or you yeah. Do you guys like when you jam, practice or whatever, do you ever play other stuff? No. In fact, um, Sam can also attest to this, but every time we've tried to do a cover, we've failed miserably, <laughs> which I think is hilarious for some reason. I, I, I don't know. We're all, we're all very, I, I would say, very fairly talented musicians, and, mm-hmm. um, I, and I really enjoy the music that we make. Uh, but, yeah, we've never, no, no, it's, it's I, I'm... I consider myself a, a purist, and I I don't really do um, covers. I guess prisms, yeah. yeah, prisms is a is is its own idea. But I don't know. I've also I'm also like I'm also a bassist, and I've to, I've to, toyed with the idea of you know joining a wedding band. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I love playing bass to wedding songs, though. It's a lot of fun just jamming in the mo- every morning. Mm-hmm. I wake up and play about thirty minutes or an hour of bass, and um, I, I really, and the wedding songs are a lot of fun and very challenging to play. Mm-hmm. Does that put you in a good frame of mind playing bass in the morning or? Yeah. Gets you in the mood to create some art or do good work at least. <laughs> and nice. it's not every single morning, but I, I, I give it a shot. Mm-hmm. What's your, uh, what's your go-to jam in the morning? Go-to jam is, what have I been playing lately? Oh, I've been playing a lot of Radiohead lately. A mix of oh, mitosis nice. is a uh, 
is a really was a really fun one to learn. Mm-hmm. That's like anyway. Um, so yeah, that one's fun. It's my go-to. Nice. And you, uh, you also your vocalist as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, I play guitar in prisms. Yeah, but um, and Sam's oh, on bass. What, what's your uh, what's your favorite out my, of them all? Is it bass your favorite or what? Like prisms would songs like or? Mus- musical instruments go. Oh, I'm a bassist. I'm a bassist at heart. I know I've, I've yeah. always I've always sung, but um, but I I'm a bassist when it comes to instrument for sure. I, guitar is just something that I want. Like we literally we started prisms because my, the band that I was playing bass in was going on a six month hiatus mm-hmm. and, and we decided to form a new band with the singer and guitarist of that band basically switching over to drums because he always wanted to play drums terrible at drums but he did a great <laughs> job and i was like i always wanted to play guitar lead guitar and sing in a band and he's like okay and so we did that and then i i found john our other guitarist and then i was like oh sam i think he can play bass and i got him and and yeah, sure enough, he started playing bass and we became like best friends after that. And, and then after college was over, we decided to live together a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. So that's the story of Prisms, basically. We were all just playing instruments that were not our main instrument. Yeah. And it worked out really well. You guys have stuck with that? Yeah. Yeah. We stuck with it for 10 years. I think it's, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens next. We kind of wanted to release this album and we're going to do, we're going to release some B sides and stuff. And then hopefully we'll move on to something either, either more work with prisms, but probably new projects for all of us. And definitely me and Sam are going to continue making some music together in some form. Do you guys, uh, do you guys tour or anything or do you guys just, uh, make music and then pop it off? We have done some touring, uh, East coast touring, Mm-hmm. But uh, it's never been super easy because we can't play Saturday shows, and yeah. uh, and Evan, our drummer, was is a nine to fiver. So yeah. me and Sam could do whatever we want. Evan's tied down, so that was kind of the challenge for us. But yeah, we played a lot in DC mm-hmm. over the years, and some in Baltimore, and a little bit in Richmond, and a little bit of touring. Awesome. So. Do you have anything like you want to plug before we take off um, before we wrap this thing up? Uh, Other than just saying thanks for having me on. Yeah, me and Sam heard do the Epic Podcast, which is kind of weekly, kind of (laughs) bi-weekly. Whenever we can kind of get together and chat. And our band Prisms just released an album called Noise. And it's out on iTunes and Spotify. You can stream that. And but other than that, you should really buy it so you get the most money, right? You can. We'd love for you to buy it. Actually, it cost money to make it. But if you're listening to this right now, go ahead, jump on iTunes, buy Prism's album, then get on your Spotify account and just stream it on a loop over and over and over and over and over. That again. is the most ideal scenario, correct? Yeah. yeah and just we'll buy get it and never listen to your bought copy. <laughs> exactly that's correct uh but yeah it it would be fine if you wanted to buy it but otherwise i'm just happy to to have it finally out we've been working on it for literally years at this point this album and it's and we're really happy with it so i'm Mm -hmm. excited for it to be out and people listening to it and you do have a instagram that's nathan mitchell photography yep at nathan mitchell photography follow me and i will maybe follow you back who knows 
And you and Sam are pretty active on Reddit, too. If people jump mm-hmm. on to uh, comment on the Epic Podcast, I was kind of going through the other day and just looking, and it seems like one of you two always responds to every question somebody asks. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you guys have to be one of the best resources out there for photographers <laughs> with questions. Well, I haven't, I actually uh, haven't been on there for a couple of weeks, but yes, it's, uh, we, we really enjoy talking with people on Reddit. It's a, it's a good, it's a, it's a fine way to talk with with people we honestly are just trying to figure out some better way to -hmm. interact with our fans uh, our listeners but we uh, but reddit reddit's doing the job so far so definitely join in the conversation on reddit ask any questions you want and uh you know sam's the expert and sort of so am i Don't sell yourself short. Uh, no, but seriously, like I was on the Reddit and like you guys were given like paragraph long answers to people who just asked like a simple sentence question. Like you guys were going in depth and it was really cool to see well, you guys putting in some work and really helping people out. The fact is that we're both committed to pushing the envelope of photography, not just, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be this insular, you know, douchey thing it's a it's an art form and anyone can benefit from people that are doing good art so i think whatever questions you have we definitely we're not trying to guard you know this this like secret information that we have it's um it's for everyone and hopefully if you can improve then the art of photography moves forward in a positive direction so ask away i love that that was awesome Nathan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've kept you on for almost two hours now. No worries. So real quick before we go, everyone, you can find him at Nathan Mitchell Photography on Instagram. And uh, he gets on the Reddit every once in a while to comment back to people um, about the Epic Podcast. Find his podcast, the Epic Podcast with Sam Hurd. It is on SoundCloud and... You can get an eye. It's everywhere, iTunes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. RSS, iTunes, SoundCloud. Yeah. I was going to say I listened through an podcatcher app and I've never actually gone to the SoundCloud that I know of. That's cool. You know, we have no clue how many people listen to our podcast other than the like people that we see on SoundCloud. So whatever, get on there, listen to it however you, however you got to. Hope you get something out of it. <laughs> also check out that Prisms album, right? Yep. Noise out everywhere worldwide awesome thanks so much again nathan and thank um, you it's been an honor (laughs) you don't have to lie to me dustin's gone now you can be be truthful all right it's been like kind of (laughs) whatever thanks for nothing it has been a delight (laughs) having you on thanks well uh hopefully we'll see each other in amish country at some point Computer Show and Sale, Super VGA, CD-ROM. Wedding Photo Hangover is edited by Steve Van Elk from Bespoke Tone. You can hit up Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, or audio editing needs.